Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to give them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we are going to have so much fun today because, first of all, we're going to be talking about something that I know nothing about, which that's always fun. I love doing that. Um, you know, and, and But then the second thing is, you know, I mention this all the time, that you never know who you are connected with or or who your connections are connected with and so my guest today is actually a friend of another friend on facebook and you know that that really is what connecting online and all those good things are about it's it's about how to make those extended connections so please join me in welcoming jay whitmas to our program today good morning deb Great to have you. And like I said, we've been Facebook friends forever, and it finally dawned on us that it was simply because we had a mutual friend. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a small world. You know, that's, that is what is so funny about all of this. So let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Jay is a Colorado native, but she grew up back east for the most part, so she's a retransplanted native. She moved back to Colorado after finishing graduate school. She has a Bachelor of Science degree in Corporate Health and Wellness Management, a Master's in Corporate Health and Wellness Administration, and another Master's degree in Occupational Safety and Health, all from West Virginia University. She was a safety engineer risk consultant for 18 years when she decided to make her career change to be a life coach. A few, few years after having her own life coaching practice, she became interested in DISC personality assessments and added that to her repertoire and her company is called high altitude attitude so again please join me in welcoming jay whitmas to our program i'm happy to be here thank you for inviting me you know we really are going to have so much fun because what you do crosses all the boundaries it's good for personal it's good for business and more importantly it's good for a combination you know, I love the people who still say, we can have a work-life balance. Hooey! <laughs> there is no such thing. It's, it's all blended together. And so that's where tools um, like the ones that you use are so great because it does blend all of those things together. So let's just jump right in. Actually, let me take just a tiny little step back. Tell me why you decided to found your company. Um, I had... Uh, as I mentioned in my bio, I was a, a safety engineer, a risk consultant for uh, 18 years. And at that point, I realized there were certain parts of my job. I was very good at my job and I got a lot of accolades, but there were certain parts of my job I loved and certain parts I did not love. Mm -hmm. And the part I loved was my clients. I, right. I loved working with people. I hated doing reports. Mm -hmm. And when you're in safety and risk, you have to document everything. Right. So I had worked with, um, I was having trouble getting my reports done. I was a perfectionist and I spent way too much time on them than I needed. Mm -hmm. And I worked with a life coach to uh, train help me. And as I was working with her, I thought, now this sounds really interesting. This is cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I investigated that a little further and I went through training, became certified and I kind of uh, blended the two. I 
uh, went down in consulting a little bit as I built up my practice, and then finally I switched over full time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I love it when people make those transitions in life because so many times we get stuck. You know, whether it's that we're stuck at one company, one industry, one field. And, you know, even though what you're doing is somewhat related, it is different. And, you know, and, and I, I love that people can make those decisions and obviously, as you are, be very successful at it. Mm-hmm. And what I have found, and I, I think this probably happened to me as well, I stayed in my field longer than I should have. I was good at it, mm-hmm. but I didn't like it. Right. And that's where a lot of people I think that I see as uh, coaching clients get stuck. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they think, well, I'm really good at it, so why would I switch? Mm-hmm. Right. But and still, they may not like it, right. may not be happy. Well, you know, that really is the case. People have this huge fear about changing careers. They, you know, more than anything, it's a fear factor. They are scared, um, you know, that they have bills to pay. They have mouths to feed. What if they aren't good at what they do, you know, and and they make what they would think would be a horrible decision. So, you know, is that something that you help people work their way through is making those big changes in their life? Yes, that's uh, on the coaching side. That's exactly what I do. And I do also integrate DISC into that to figure out if their personality style is going to fit with what they want to change to. Perfect. So let's jump right into that. What is DISC? Now that's an acronym. So what does it stand for? Um, it's not an acronym actually. Hmm. It's um, it's for DISC is a personality assessment profile and it's divided into four groups. Okay. D-I-S-N-C. Okay. And um, I'll give you a just a quick little tutor on how to figure out what you are. So it's based on, are you outgoing or reserved? Mm -hmm. And are you task oriented or people oriented? Okay. So the D's are outgoing and task oriented. Mm -hmm. And you can think of D's as being dominant, uh, direct, demanding, very decisive. A lot of leaders are D's. Okay. Um, so if you're looking at this in a quadrant, that would be the top left quadrant. Okay. Next to that would be the top right, right quadrant, which would be outgoing and people-oriented. Mm-hmm. So these are the very outgoing um, you know, people who they're inspiring, they're influencing, they're impressive. They're the life of the party. Okay. And those are, those are I's. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom right quadrant, so if we're going in a circle... Uh, the bottom right quadrant is people who are reserved and people-oriented. So they really enjoy being around people. They're very good team players, but they're just more reserved about it. Okay. And uh, they're more the the steady eddies and supportive, um, sweet. So those are the S's. Mm-hmm. And the bottom uh, left quadrant are people who are reserved and task-oriented, and those are C's. And C's are very cautious, very conscientious. They're rule followers. Okay. They like they like things done exactly as they're supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. So that's what the D I S and C is. Perfect. You know, and and we'll talk more about how you know they blend together to to make teams. But I'm guessing just from from the the basic description that I would be an I. 
um, because I'm not task oriented. It was like, oops, no, not that. <laughs> okay. And oh, oh, I'm not task oriented. You know, my I my lists. I have lists, and I know that I have to have lists because I don't. But you know, then I'm like squirrel. <laughs> yep. So you know, yeah. It. I try hard, and I. But no, you know, and and then it's funny because my husband is he lives and he dies by his lists and he mm-hmm. follows them, you know, and, and he is very task oriented. And, um, you know, and of course we've all worked with people who are like that too. You give them a project and, and you tell them, this is what we want done and they will, you know, do it and do it perfectly. And then we've got the other folks that you work with or, you know, live with, or, you know, are friends with who you give them a task and later on you come back and they go, uh, but I watched some cool videos. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, I, I love this concept because we've all seen personality tests. You know, I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've been around for, for a long time. And the cool thing is that they are evolving to really take a lot of different factors in, you know, in when they're figuring them, um, you know, and, and but, you know, and, and probably a lot of us have had them as part of a job application where they wanted to know, are you with this or that? And I hated those. I absolutely hated them because, of course, I'm one of those people that I would think, now, what do they really want to me to be saying here? You know, mm-hmm. like if, if I'm going to be an employee of someone's, well, I don't want to mark down that I'm the boss that I like, you know, and I like to take charge. But, you know, that's it. So, of course, you know, then obviously my results would be faulty. But I think a lot of the new tests kind of take that into account. They, you know, there's, they, they word things differently, maybe is, is how to say it, because they've gotten much more sophisticated. Yes, yes. And I run across that a lot when people are taking this. I say, but you need to be natural because if you get into a job and it is a false, um, you know, a false result mm-hmm. that you're giving, you're going to be unhappy in the job. So right. they re- companies who really believe in this want to make sure that they have a really good placement of their employees. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm sure that they really do, in you know the, the vast majority of cases, need a mix of, you know, of people that are there. So, you know, you work with companies, right, to, to go in and, and kind of, how does that work? Uh, usually when I'm working with a corporation and I'm using DISC, I'll, I'll give each individual employee, or if they're working with a specific group, I'll do it just for that group, give them an assessment. And then I do a team chart, so I plot everybody out and see uh, where the team is. And I speak with the corporation, find out what they're looking for. For example, if I'm working with an engineering corporation, I would expect to have a lot of C's. Right. Because and they they're, need they're, a lot of C's. Yes. So for that kind of work, they do. They also need leaders, and they also need team players. Mm-hmm. So there's. It, it depends on the industry as to it to what they need but you're right you need a mix of all the different styles because each one lends its own uh, benefit to the team mm-hmm. and you know it, it really is a good thing for the the employer the boss the supervisor the whoever to know a lot of this because it helps when we're dealing with someone um, you know I, I worked in an ad agency many years ago in Colorado we had and you know ad agencies are typical things change very quickly, you know, you, you do have to adapt, you have to be able to change and, and, you know, take on different tasks, all these various things. And one of our employees was the opposite of that. She wanted to know what she did at eight o'clock and at eight ten and at, you know, nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really was one of those people. 
And she struggled because they mm-hmm. were trying to put that round hole in that square peg. Or, no, I did that backwards. Put that square peg in that round hole. And, you know, and, and it really was a problem because they didn't understand her personality. Um, you know, and, and she ended up leaving and going to a company where they were extremely task oriented and she just flourished there. But mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, in addition to that, how does knowing someone's um, personality really help a, a manager work with them? Um, a lot of it uh, can just be motivating that employee. And it's just understanding where they're coming from. Okay. Uh, so, for example, if you think as a basic example, different cultures in the world that we deal with, mm-hmm. uh, we may be dealing with a totally different culture and they're coming at it from their way because that's what they've always known. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with personalities. Um, say, for example, C's and I's. If you're an I, your husband's a C, you're opposites. Right. His brain is just wired the way it is to follow things directly and be very careful and conscientious. Mm-hmm. Your brain is wired a different way. And so people can get frustrated when they work with people who are not like-minded mm-hmm. because they're like, I just don't get that. How can she not stay focused? Right. I've explained <laughs> you know, how it can to she her. Not you know. Sit down and do this for three hours. Who can't do that? And at the same time, eyes, you know, think about C's and go, oh, my gosh. Come on, people. Cut a break. Mm-hmm. So understanding where that person is coming from and just kind of flipping it over to their side so you can walk in their shoes Mm -hmm. and then and relating to that so if I'm a manager and I have different personality styles I can tailor myself to that person to better communicate with them and meet their needs Mm -hmm. right you know and and we've seen that work well when managers know how to do that you know they know you know employee a really needs me to give her very specific information, including deadlines, you know, all those various things. And employee B is, you know, I can just be real gentle with her and she'll get it done. And it's funny because you look at those two and and B is going, well, how come you're being so mean to A? And A is like, well, don't you need to give B more information? You know, and and, but a good manager really does know how to to work with those types of employees. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, I've seen it time and time again, the tiniest little, uh, you know, attention or to detail about an employee that a manager can pay can just pay off in huge dividends. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, for example, D's are very direct. They're very short. Just give me give me the end result. What do you want me to do? And Mm -hmm. I'll run off and do it. Uh, So if you speak to a D like that on Monday morning and say, hey, John, we got a meeting at nine. Here's what we're going to discuss. Blah, 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 blah. John's like, cool. I got it. Let's go. Let's say Mary is an S who was reserved and people oriented. She's a support person. Mm -hmm. But Mary needs you to ask her Monday morning. Hey, Mary, how was your weekend? How are your grandkids? You know, that more personal touch. Mm -hmm. Even if it's 30 seconds, Mary will be like, oh. Thank goodness he paid attention to me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm ready to work with you. So it's a uh, just a, a big difference as to how you can, you know, kind of get buy-in from your different employees. Right. And, of course, as, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, this this applies everywhere. And we mentioned that at this, the top of the program, that it isn't just professional. You know, maybe it's volunteer groups. Maybe it's your set of friends. Um, and, and obviously maybe it is your family. You know, knowing all of these various things it really does help when you're having to deal with them. 
Absolutely. And parenting, you bring up um, your family. Parenting is another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, once I did this with my son and I realized what kind of personality style he was, which wasn't what I had guessed, it changed my parenting style with him. And all of a sudden it was like a switch went on like, oh, OK, that's how to deal with him. Mm-hmm. OK, now I got it. And it's funny that you mentioned that. How many times when someone takes the test, do they come out different than what they thought they were going to be? Oh, a lot of times. And and when I have them in a training session, uh, they'll say, no, 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 I don't think this is right. And by the time I'm done explaining it and going through all the team building and all the, uh, the explanations for it, they'll go, yeah, okay. <laughs> I kind of, I may not want to come across that way, but you're right. I kind of am. And DISC is actually 90 to 95% accurate. Cool. So it's, as long as people are taking it naturally and honestly, it tends to be 90 to 95% accurate. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and I, you know, and, and I mention and I joke that I was one of those people that, you know, sometimes when I take those, I'm the, well, what do they want to hear from me? You know, and of course I was doing myself a disservice because I, you know, they were expecting something different than what I was either comfortable doing, knew how to do, you know, all those various things. Yes, exactly. You and, and but it is interesting because, you know, say you are you know, a potential employee and you've read the job description, you've gone through the interviews because they're probably not going to have this, you know, have you take these type of tests until, you know, they're, they're fairly certain that you're at least on the short list. <clears throat> But, you know, we are thinking, oh, my gosh, I need the job. So I'm going to give them the answers that I think they want. You know, and again, it, that, that really does a disservice, but it's so tempting. Mm-hmm. And wh- when I do these profiles and they get the results, there are two results. One is your basic profile, which is your natural personality. That's the one you've had to your born or okay. since you're born. Mm-hmm. So you could take this at 10 years old and again at 50 years old and it should be pretty consistent. Mm. The other one is environmental. And that could be whether if you're taking it in, for example, what I call work mode. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have a different personality. So that's how people see you. Mm. And that's how you come across to people. Mm-hmm. And they, when they're taking this, they may think that they're skewing it intentionally, just as the example you gave. I need this job. I need to come across how they want me to. And what's interesting is in, this, uh, in the assessment, it'll ask you your likes and your dislikes. Mm. The real, the basic personality, which gives us the truest style that you are, is based on your dislikes, not oh. your likes. Hmm. And people will often fudge what they like. So that's environmental, and that will fudge a little more than your natural one. Interesting. And the reason it's based on dislikes is your dislikes don't change that much over your lifetime. Mm-hmm. But your likes change a lot. You know, maybe you're really into vanilla ice cream. Then you get sick of it. Then you're into something else. Mm-hmm. So, But it's based on dislikes and not likes. So people can try and skew it, but it still can come out pretty accurate. Hmm. Can you give us some more sample questions? I mean, you know, and, and we obviously don't want you to give away the farm because we want people to contact you for this. But what are some other types of sample questions? Uh, each question, I don't have one here right in front of me, but each question will have, um, it will give you four choices. And it, it may be, um, I like to be the life of the party. 
Uh, I prefer um, to be a wallflower. I'm making this up as I go along. Right. Um, and it might give you two more. I enjoy a small group. Mm-hmm. I enjoy a very large group. Okay. So you, out of those four, you pick one that you are most like mm-hmm. and one that you are least like. Oh, okay. So you've got two answers for the one question. I like that. Yes. Yes. So, and that's where it gives you, um, so one is based on your, uh, your natural, your basic one, which is the dislike question. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the, uh, the like question and that's your environmental. Mm-hmm. So all different. And a lot of people get, con- you know, they don't want to pick just one. Well, I kind of like this and I kind of like this. And I say, just go with your natural, the one that's strongest in your natural gut reaction. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I'm sure what happens a lot of time is people do overthink it. You know, it's a, well, or it's that, well, in this situation, I like it this way. And in that situation, you know, I was like, um, you know, I remember many, many, <clears throat> many years ago, you know, when we had to take multiple choice uh, questions in school and the mm-hmm. teachers always said, go, you know, if you don't know the answer, then go with what your first guess was. Mm-hmm. Because more than likely that's right. You know, there was something in there that made you think, oh, it must be B. You know, or whatever. But then when you overthink it, you're like, oh, no, maybe it's D. Well, no, maybe. No, uh, e. you know, and it really was B, <laughs> but you've talked yourself out of it. You're right. Yep. So how long does one of these tests, you know, and, and obviously it probably varies a little bit, but how, you know, if, if somebody is going to take these tests, how long does it typically take just initially to take the test? Uh, it average is about 15 minutes. It's all online. And so the average is about 15 minutes. What I do, if somebody wants one, um, you know, we go through it all. I send them a link mm-hmm. uh, with a specific code that they've purchased. They go in online and they uh, take it and you get the results immediately. Very cool. I like that. And so they would go to high altitude attitude for that information? Yes. Okay, great. Well, and, and what I really like is, you know, you're in Colorado and our listeners are, you know, all around the world. So because it is online, anybody can take it at any point in time. Yes, exactly. And another point that, um, you know, that a lot of research has gone into this is to how much uh, percentage each style is mm-hmm. and of the population. And when I was first getting into this, one of the questions I had was, well, what about other countries and other cultures? Right. Is this going to vary? Interesting enough, it stays consistent. Hmm. So it's based. So even if, uh, let's say, for example, a um, a woman is in an environment where she is not permitted by society to um, be her natural self, okay. it will still come up with her natural personality. So when she's with her friends, she may still be a high eye. Mm-hmm. She just may not be able to be that in society. So it's consistent throughout the world with the percentages of the different styles. Interesting, because that was actually going to be, huh, we're on the same wavelength. That was going to be my next question is, did you see a lot of variation between cultures? Mm-hmm. And nope, it's the it's the same. And with men and women. Hmm. Now, do you see differences with ages? Um, There can't. There are differences. What I see is probably the biggest if you're looking at um, kind of a static line. When you're growing up, uh, it'll probably be your natural personality. What I see is around 30s, 30s to 40s, mm-hmm. people, we're under a lot more stress. We have jobs, we have spouses, families, kids. 
um, that's usually a much more stressful time. So that may um, curtail it in some areas and balloon it in another area. Mm-hmm. So depending on the stresses, but then it kind of evens out again. Cool. So um, for the most part there, and there are some people who, and I always say, you know, ask your parents uh, mm-hmm. if you don't think this is right. Because usually a lot of parents would be like, oh, yeah, that's you. You were always like that. Yeah. Yeah. You you were the bossy little kid or yep. you, know, you, yeah, all of those various. I love that. Well, and it's interesting. I was talking with another guest of mine um, several weeks ago, and he is a true millennial. And it's funny because he really identifies himself as being a millennial. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not a millennial. I am a baby boomer. And so we were kind of comparing just some of the differences. And and it was funny because, you know, he, he recognized that he was a millennial, but he also said, but I think differently. And so that was that was really kind of different because, you know, he well, one of the things he said was um, that in many cases, you know, millennials were were given a lot and told that they were special. You know, and, and yes, we, you know, hopefully we were all told that we were special as we were children and things like that. But we, I think we've all kind of heard that millennials were told it in maybe a different way. And, um, and so he said he actually thinks about that when he's dealing with someone to not come across as, as feeling entitled. And I just, I thought that mm-hmm. was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think there, uh, you did ask about the age difference and I'm I, I'm getting that from a lot of corporations I work with now is because as new millennials come into the workplace how do we deal with them you know they're just they're different so that's more of a behavior um, change in right. that and um, but I think age-wise it does also come with maturity mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes you're in your teens or 20s you want to fit in and your true personality just may not come out because mm-hmm. you're still trying to find out who you are right but you're still going to have you know Millennials baby boomers whatever you're going to have people that are in each one of those four categories yes yes and by it. the way everybody uh, 85% of the population is a mix. Mm-hmm. So you you may be higher in one area. For example, you're a high I. Mm-hmm. Um, you may just be lower in C. Mm-hmm. And when I gave the example about when I was a safety engineer, C is my lowest. And mm-hmm. I can be very organized and follow everything and do it. It just takes more energy mm-hmm. because it's not natural. I would rather be talking with people in a meeting than I would be doing reports so just because you have something low on your scale doesn't mean you know you don't have any organizational skills it just means it takes that much more energy and focus to focus on that part of your personality right well and by knowing that then you can uh, adapt to it you know I don't want to say exactly. fix it because we're not fixing it um, you know but it is you adapt to it you're like oh yeah I'm just I'm not the organized person so I have to make lists. I have to have a calendar, a timer, a whatever, um, you know, and, and because, you know, they, they are the person who's going squirrel, you know, but it's like, yep. no, no squirrels, no squirrels. <laughs> You're right. And th- it's funny you mentioned that the color for yellow um, or the color for C is yellow. It's caution, mm-hmm. yellow. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, um, an hourglass that is colored yellow sand. So when I have to do things like invoices or, you know, things that are very detail oriented and mm-hmm. and I have to do solitary, I use that, my hourglass, 
because I'm an I, it makes it fun. Right. So, mm-hmm. so well, you use little things like that to help you focus. And and reward yourself afterwards and all those various things. Yes. Yep. Exactly. I love that. You know, and, and it's this really is just so interesting to me because I think we we assume things about ourselves. And and I love the fact that this test shows how you come across to others. I mean, you know, how many times have we seen someone and, you know, it's like, oh, they're they're passive aggressive. They're, you know, what and they don't even recognize that in themselves. And when they take this like, oh, I do do that, don't I? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it is interesting. And when you have uh when we're in a group, say for example, doing a team building, I often ask people, you know, is it, is this how you see Joe? This is how it says you see him. And a lot of times they're like, oh, yeah, I see that. You know, that's exactly how you come across. Mm-hmm. People who may be closer to him may see, okay, well, I can see how he comes across that way. But I also know his real personality. Right. So I agree that he's this way. Mm-hmm. Well, and we do, in a lot of cases, have you know, the, the, the multiple facets to ourselves, you know, the, you know, how we are with our family, how we are with our friends, with our coworkers, all of those things. But as, as you've said, deep down, we're, we're, you know, one thing, you know, but we're, we're bringing out different parts to fit the situation. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. You know, and I keep coming back to thinking about people who don't understand that of themselves and then wonder why people, you know, don't want to be around them or, you know, the, the people who uh, job hop or, you know, have trouble with their relationships. So that's why I can see where this really would be a benefit for someone to know, okay, well, this is me. And therefore, you know, maybe I do want the opposite for a partner. I mean, you know, you've got the yin and the yang thing going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, maybe you do want someone who's complimentary or, or whatever. But, you know, knowing yourself really is going to help with, you know, all of those those relationships, both personally and professionally. Yes, yes. And it is amazing to see right there in transformation, some of the classes or some personal clients when they explain this, if they're open to it, Mm-hmm. Um, as with anything, once they see that, they're like, oh, wow, okay, so that's why I had trouble in this area, just mm-hmm. like you said, with the relationship, whether it's personal or professional, or this is why I don't get along with her, mm-hmm. but if I have to get along with her, I'm going to have to learn who she is and come over to her side for a second. Right. You know, and, and then we have other factors that tie into this. Um, I was remembering that I interviewed Peter Shankman, who is a, a, a big marketing expert. He has ADD. And, you know, talking to him about all these various things, because he said, you know, he he is not task-oriented, but he knows that the, you know, and so he will tell people, you must give me deadlines. He said, mm-hmm. because say if you, you know, if you tell him, hey, you know, we need you to do this project, and then you wander off, he said he probably won't ever do it. If you say, hey, I need this done by noon on Wednesday, he'll have it done by 11 on Wednesday. But mm-hmm. he needs those 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 uh, barriers, or not barriers, those guidelines in order to really help him uh, because of his, his personality. Right. And that is such a great awareness. If we could all do that and, you know, pay attention to that and understand that, I 
that makes things so much easier when you just know what people need and how to work with them. Mm-hmm. Everybody came with their own little guidebook. Here's how to work with me. Right. Yeah. Here, here's here's how to deal with Deb today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, and it's funny that with my clients, sometimes I'll um, I'll be speaking with them, and it'll be you know I'm I I might give them a real clipped email. Boom, 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 boom. And I've had to go back to people. I'm sorry. I'm in high D mode today. Right. That they they just know. Okay. All right. It's nothing personal. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't take time to ask about you. <laughs> You know, and, and it's not that they didn't care or all those various things. It's that they were in a, a you know, a, 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 they were in D that day or C that day or whatever, you know. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, and I think that's where we really have to keep that in mind is, you know, just because somebody is normally one of those factors doesn't mean they're always that factor. Right, right. And knowing this, also in uh, corporations I use, and I've also done this uh, with some schools and teachers, it's like its own language. Mm -hmm. So you can really shorten it up if everybody understands what you're talking about in describing, say, um, describing a child. And you go, you know, wow, he's just a high S child. Okay, I get it. I know how Mm -hmm. to deal with him. You don't have to go into everything. It's just a common language that makes Mm -hmm. it so much easier to to communicate with people. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, the, the opposite side is the manager, the spouse, the whoever who, you know, okay, let, let's do a manager. So the manager has 10 employees kind of across the gamut of DISC, and he's thinking, I have so much more work I have to do because now I have to deal with all these different personalities. Can't I just give them the instructions and make them do it? <laughs> and, you know, well, sure, you could. But, of course, you're not going to get the results that you want in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you're right. You give it to somebody who, who needs full instruction, they'll just be struggling because they don't know. That's not what they need. They don't need just do this by Tuesday. They need right. to know exactly how to do it. So in the long run, you're going to get a better product, service, work, you know, whatever, when you've, when you've dealt with this. Otherwise, you have to go back and tell them again. You have to nag them. You have to do whatever, you know, all those various things. So if you just kind of do it at the start, things will go much more smoothly. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. When employees understand who their boss is, mm-hmm. they can understand, too, how to deal with them. If you have... For example, a high D, they don't like chit-chat. They're, mm-hmm. They get right to the point. So if I'm someone who needs to go in and chit-chat, I have to know, and me, just myself personally, when I go in with a client, I can usually pretty much assess just real quickly who I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I go in, if I'm with a high D, I know I get to the bottom line. Right. So you speak to your audience and you know um, who it is that you're working with. So if my boss is like that, if I want to deal with him, I deal with his personality as he is. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm guessing that there are kind of some clues that you can look at. You know, you mentioned going in and meeting with someone. Well, maybe you look around the office and they have a lot of personal mementos, you know, and, and photographs. Well, that just kind of leads to asking about them. You know, oh, I see mm-hmm. that your daughter plays baseball or, you know, all those various things. And if they've got an office that is just very professional, you know, doesn't have any of those extras, more than likely, I'm guessing, now I could be, you know, making a big assumption here, but I'm guessing that they're the, the no-nonsense, you know, just just give me the facts, ma'am, and go on type of thing. Yes. 
Yes, and that's exactly in my training. I do a whole section on uh, nonverbal communication, and also I I use that example about going in and just assessing somebody based on their office. Mm-hmm. As to you know, I I can walk in somebody's cubicle and get an idea in split second. Just I may not be there may be extenuating circumstances where I could be wrong, but I can usually get a pretty good gauge. Uh, we also go over handshakes, tone of voice, the speed you speak, um, your energy level. Those are all clues that um, you can read into, even whether it's you're on the phone or you can read somebody's email, you can get an idea of their personality style. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love, you know, that that just triggered a whole bunch of different thoughts for me because I work with people to show them, you know, when they're looking for jobs. And I tell them, you know, you want a nice, firm handshake and you know meet them look them in the eye and all of those things and now it just occurred to me i might be telling somebody to do that and that's the exact opposite of what they really want to do so i've just made them very uncomfortable that could that and that's actually a really good example we go over that and there's so much just into nonverbal communication and handshakes alone as to how you do it and how to come across so but in doing that it can also, it, it, it depends on how you want to portray yourself. So, for example, I've done this for car dealers and salesmen oh, and okay. uh, car dealerships. Mm-hmm. And we had a guy in there who was, he was like a linebacker, big mm-hmm. guy, that, super nice, just a big teddy bear. But how he came across to people as soon as he met them turned them off because mm-hmm. he had this very deep, he was a high D mm-hmm. and he had a very deep um, you know, voice where he, he would be like, hi, ma'am, what car do you want to see today? And his handshake was a crusher. Right. You're like, oh. And I, in going over this, I said, you know, so I taught them how to assess people and customers as soon as, soon as they drive up, A, what kind of car are they driving? You can get an idea of their personality type. How do they get out of their car? How do they assess? How do they approach you? All these things. So if he's coming across somebody who's a high S and really needs that touchy-feely um, thing, he needs to soften up his handshake for her. He can't crush her because he has to be on her team. Right. And she most likely has a softer handshake. Mm-hmm. So all those things um, go into effect. So you may not necessarily be guiding them wrong. It just depends on how you need to come across. Right. You know, and, and I love this because we just went through the process of buying a car and it was so funny because my husband, the analytical person, had researched and researched and researched and researched, you know, and, and, and when I wanted to buy a new car, I went to the dealership. It took me two hours. I mean, you know, I was like, oh, yep. I like that one, you know, and, and, and I did, you know, I, it was, I liked the color. I liked, you know, I, it was, you know, and all those things that are just so girly, you know, and, and we, we laugh about that. But yeah, he had researched it. And so we went to eight. Yes, count them eight dealerships um, because he'd narrowed it down to the type of car he wanted but he wanted to see one at each manufacturer so he wanted to see a honda a toyota you know all those various mm-hmm. things and it was so interesting to watch the salespeople because you know the the one that turned us off the most was a woman who was in your face mm. and very she was um she was foreign and i'm not quite sure what her nationality was so that was it, it actually made you curious because you couldn't quite place the accent but very and, and but i think that might have been part of that was you know this was part of her culture and you know she was she just she pounced 
I mean, you know, we all laugh that, you know, you drive up to a car dealership and you get pounced on. And she Mm -hmm. did. She pounced. Her perfume was overpowering. Um, And then even though we told her this was my husband's car, she directed all of her questions at me. And Mm -hmm. I kept saying, no, 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 no. It's his car. Please talk to him about it. And, you know, and, and of course, what happened within about five minutes was you couldn't have paid him to have bought a car from her because mm-hmm. she immediately turned him off. Um, you know, and, and, and it was one of those things where I, after we were done, you know, and it was his car. So, you know, it was really whichever one he wanted to go with. I just was along for the ride, but I, there were a couple of them. I said, well, I liked him or I liked her. You know, it didn't matter about the car. Mm-hmm. I liked the salespeople, um, you know, and, 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 you know, how many times do we deal with that every day, whether it's, the server at a restaurant or employees or whatever, where we really don't care what the product is. It's, did we make that emotional connection with somebody? Yes. Yes. And that is so important is to making it on their level. Mm-hmm. So your car experiences, that is textbook. That's textbook about what I talk about. <laughs> well, and it was so funny because they were all very different. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the ones that just kind of wandered up and, you know, can we help you? No, we're just kind of looking. Okay, find us when you need us. Those were the ones, of course, that we liked the best. The mm-hmm. ones that, you know, just pounced and or hovered. You know, I wasn't sure what was worse, being being hovered over or, you know, being pounced on. Um, but, you know, it, it, it really was something that, you know, I, think of it in the office. You know, are is your boss or are you the micromanager? You know, are you hovering over somebody's shoulder? Did you get it done? Did you get it done? Did you get it done? You know, pretty soon you're wearing the keyboard because they've knocked you in the face with it. Um, you know, and, and all you were doing was thinking you were being encouraging. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and, and so, I mean, the, the more you delve into this, the more nuances people are going to find. And, and I'm thinking probably a lot of aha moments, you know, where they're thinking, well, that's why that didn't work out or that's why we're such a good team or all of those various things. Mm-hmm. You're right. As we go through, and we go through a lot of different scenarios like that. So, um, you know, and you can see how it relates. We go over grocery shopping, you know, go grocery shopping and try and pick out who's a D, who's an I, who's right. an S and who's a C. And are you, the, and are you, you can, the list? Do you go up and down every row? All those mm-hmm. various things. And that can also show how uh, how people change depending on the task that they're doing. So, for example, when I'm my D comes out when I'm I'm shopping. I am a woman on a mission. Don't <laughs> right. I want milk and get, in, I want get eggs out and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And if I come across an S or an I who just wants to chat, I have to understand that's what they need. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll indulge them for a little bit but then i have to say okay well i need to get going thank you gotta go gotta go gotta go (laughs) so you're right it comes across in all different aspects of of your life and people in class do have aha moments because they don't realize how much it happens all the time you know and and you know one of the things that i was thinking about as we're going through this is how do you work with people remotely? I mean, you know, we, we mentioned the fact that they would take the test online, but, you know, say it's a team. How can you work with a team of folks? You know, you're in, in Colorado. How do you work with someone in, say, Atlanta? Or, you know, I talked to somebody the other, the other week on my program in the Netherlands or Australia. You know, how, you know we're going to ignore that there's time differences. So, you know, how do you work with somebody when you're not in the same location as them? 
generally, if I'm doing a team, I will be on location. Okay. So they, they will usually, um, you know, have me come out for that if I'm on a team. If it's one-on-one, uh, a lot of time, and I do a lot of my coaching over the phone. Mm-hmm. So I can uh, go over with them and explain it to them one-on-one or, you know, I'll do video conferencing and explain it to them that way too. Uh, but generally, if it's a big group, I'll be there in person because it's just, it's it's difficult to do it remotely. Right. Well, and I would guess that in large degree, that is because you need to pick up on a lot of the body language. Yes. Who's sitting where, who's who's leading, who's, you know, all those various things. Yes, yes. And I use a lot of those examples. If they're in a class, I use people as examples for that. So when you're on a camera, even if, you know, you're doing a teleconference, you can't see everybody in the room at the same time and how they're how they're reacting. Mm-hmm. And I also do a lot of hands-on exercises, team buildings, where we're doing games. So I need to be there to help them with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it, I'm, I'm one of, every time I see, like, the, the distance learning programs that, that schools advertise, um, you know, I always think, well, how do they know that the person that they're giving the degree to was actually the person who took the test? You know, and, and, and that's why in-person is so much better, because you do know that that is that person who answered that question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And it's much easier. And I'm a high eye, so I need to be there. I want to be mm-hmm. with my people. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and, and you do. You need to pick up on those things, you know, and, and, and very subtle things. You know, I'm, you know, we mentioned the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, what was I? I'm a, I'm a, an I. You're yes. an I. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, you know, when I'm in class or, you know, sitting somewhere, I sit almost in the front. Not always in the very front row, but I'm pretty close to the front. And, um, you know, so because I'm going to participate more. I love it when I'm giving presentations. And one of the very first things I usually tell people is, hello, we need you to move up. This is not church. You can sit in the front. <laughs> and, you know, and, and everybody typically moves up. But they, they don't, you know, the, the people in the far back don't come to the very front. I mean, you know, they come up just as far as they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and but that is part of it is you know, they're more shy, they're more reserved, they don't want to be called on, you know, all of those various things. And that is part of that personality. Right. Yes, exactly. And I hated it when, you know, the the teachers would call on those students, you know, or or when I was the teacher, and I would call on those students, because, you know, clearly, that wasn't the best way to work with them. And putting them on the spot is just never an effective way to, to be doing this. Right. I usually tell people, you can take a pass. If I call on you, you can have a pass if you don't want to answer. Right. Well, and you can tell in a lot of you know ways, you know what what their body language were they leaning forward, you know were they smiling, were they looking engaged? Okay, that might give a little bit more indication that that they'd be okay with being called on, um, as opposed to you know the, they're sitting there with their arms crossed and not paying attention. All those very, now, of course, there were times where I called on those not paying attention people just to point out that they weren't paying attention. <laughs> Yes, you're right. And there's also, so for example, S's, um, really, they're they're shy. They're the reserved but people-oriented. Mm-hmm. And they're shy, so they may not raise their hand, but they want to be called on. So mm-hmm. I don't, I usually give at least everybody one chance. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I may call them out, and I can uh, guess, you know, whether they're an S or not. But a lot of times S's, 
don't get called on because they don't raise their hand. They really have something to say, but they're always, no, you go first. That's okay. No, right. that's okay. It's not important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're and they're accommodating. You know, they, they yes. don't want the spotlight on them. They want they want to the spotlight on other people. I mean, you know, to them that feels good to give them, you know, give others that recognition. Yes, exactly. I love this really is just fascinating to me. And I wish that I had known about this when I was a teacher back at Metro State in in Colorado, because, you know, there were there were times where it really would have made a difference. Um, You know, I remember one project that we had where and so I taught business communications and one of the the uh, things that we did. And now I had a fixed uh, curriculum. You know, couldn't couldn't deviate from it. I was just one teacher out of, I think, 10 that taught this course. So we really couldn't do too much different with it. But one of the, the things was people were to, to be assigned to groups of three. You couldn't pick them yourself. We, we had to assign them. So, you know, there was kind of that little factor in there to start with. Mm-hmm. But then um, they were to it was to be like mock job interviews. <laughs> And you worked with the folks in advance, you know, this, you know, it's so that you had the questions, you were prepared, you know, all those various things. And then you came to the front and you, you, it wasn't a presentation, but you kind of worked your way through it. And then I was the HR manager who popped in on the interviews and would throw them, you know, trick questions, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had one student who she was younger. (coughs) She was probably in her early twenties. And a lot of students were at Metro in their thirties and forties. And, you know, and I just randomly picked people. I, I literally just drew their names out of hats. I didn't try and, and, you know, partner up certain people or anything like that. And she was teamed up with two guys who were actually older. You know, they one was in his 60s and one was in his, his late 40s. But they seemed to be working really well together. They did some other projects well. But when she went to do this, for some reason, it just absolutely terrified her to be the subject of being interviewed. And, you know... I, it, it was just, it made her so uncomfortable that she came. Now, the nice thing was she came and worked with me um, after class, and, and we really worked on that. And, and, and we discovered that public speaking really was the, the thing that frightened her. And for some reason, mm-hmm. that frightened her more, that, that specific aspect of the task, because she could get up and give a presentation. There was just something about that one thing. And so one of the things I, I encouraged her to do was to uh, join uh, Toastmasters. And, you know, because that seemed to be something that, um, you know, I haven't, I've been to Toastmasters, I'm, but I, and so I know what it is, but that really helped her kind of work through <clears> that. <throat> but it's, it's interesting because it was her personality to, to kind of be shy and retiring, but she was also, the field that she wanted to go into was public relations and media. And I'm thinking, okay, the, I, there's a disconnect there. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, you see that all the time with students and, and employees, you know, or, or your kids or whatever. They've gone into a field of training of, you know, whatever, because it was what was expected of them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure when they're taking your test, they're like, well, well, for Pete's sake, that's why I've been so unhappy at this. Yes. Yes. And that's I do get that a lot from mm-hmm. from people in, in discovering that as to why. Oh, well, no wonder. I don't come across very well in that because that's not, I would say it's just not what's natural for you. You can do it. It just takes more effort. Right. But Well, and we've all done that. You know, you, you can do the presentation. You just hate doing the presentation or you can do the chart or do your books or do whatever, but you just don't like it. Mm-hmm. And you're well, right. Jay, when, 
No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, when it comes to public speaking, that's the number one fear mm-hmm. after dying is public speaking. And some people, it's it's worse than dying. So, right. um, you know, that alone is such a high fear because people are just, they're so afraid to be in the spotlight or they're going to mess mm-hmm. up or whatever. So that that's a biggie as well. You're right. Right. And it really, you know, as, as you said, it really doesn't matter what your personality type is, but you're going to prepare for it differently. You know, I'm I'm a huge extemporaneous speaker. I don't mm-hmm. prepare, you know, now I might sit down and think, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. And blah, 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 blah. But but if I go off topic, I can do that. It doesn't throw me. Um, but, you know, we've, we've also seen speakers on the other side where they almost have to memorize it. And if they get interrupted, they're just lost, um, you know, and, and so it's, but, but knowing their personalities really will help them prepare for that situation. Yes. Yes, I agree. Totally. Well, Jay, we've only got about five minutes left and we didn't even talk about your life coaching. So give us a little synopsis about what you do there. Uh, with my life coaching, I, I do it. It's usually, it's one-on-one. And it's not always just central private life issues. I usually Mm -hmm. tell people it's a mix. Your private life affects your your professional life. Mm -hmm. So I will work with some people who may have um, certain goals in the business world. And Mm -hmm. but still, I take that back to personalities. For example, I have um, I had a lot of clients who maybe they want to be higher up in management, but they're not real high D's. So they don't they don't take charge of that you know they don't really step up they'll do the work if somebody asks them they're just not that assertive mm-hmm. so I work with them I call it you know we need to up your D mm-hmm. as to um, just to really up that in different situa- situations so that's how I I involve DISC in that and personally it just runs the gamut Deb as uh, far as what you know what the clients want to do whether it's um relationships. I specialize in emotional fears, which is a whole nother show, Mm -hmm, but finding out just what keeps people stuck. Mm -hmm. And if they want to make a change, um, whether it's a career change or they just want to make a change in their life and do something different, I work with them on how to do that and how, so I give them the tools and they always say, my goal is to get rid of my clients. So I don't keep them around for 10 years. I give them the tools. I work with them and then once they're ready to fly, I, you know, I let them fly. They'll come back Go for an update. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll come back for an update. But uh, my goal is to just really give them the tools and help them in- integrate that into their life and and go off and reach their goals. Mm-hmm. So you do use DISC quite a bit when you're doing your life coaching. Yes. Yes. I try to have all my coaching clients use DISC as well and take an assessment. And that just gives me a real good basis Mm-hmm. as to who they are, who I'm dealing with as a coach, right. and also just knowing more about them. And then that helps with a lot of their goals, too. That gives me a lot of insight into what goals they want to work on. Mm-hmm. And and I love that it can be personal, professional, or a combination of, um, because it is a combination. You know, we mentioned at the very start of the program, there is no work-life balance. They're all muddied together, um, you know, and... and uh, it's. Uh, I heard somebody actually say it better the other day. They they work on their work life integration. I thought, oh, now that's oh, interesting. Yeah, I like that term. I thought that was pretty cool, because you know, and, and it doesn't matter if you are. And I'm putting this in my fancy little air quotes. Just an employee, you know, that clocks in at a certain time and clocks out at a certain time. Your brain doesn't shut off. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you're at home, you're still thinking about how a client treated you or a project that you're working on or all those various things. And, and so it is, it's, it's all tied together. Um, you know, and, and if you're, you know, fortunate enough that maybe you're retired or you're just not working, you know, not having to work, there's, you know, maybe you're a volunteer, all of these various things. So it does all tie together. Mm-hmm. You're right. Your neighbors, your family, anything that has to do with relationships, it, mm-hmm. it does. And it, it affects you. Right. And, you know, things do change, you know, and and I think that's one of the things that people always need to keep in mind is you've got your core, you've got your base, but there are situations that change that might make you have to kind of switch a bit. Maybe you do get the promotion, maybe you get a divorce, you know, all these various things. But again, knowing your core and what that, that solid personality base is, is going to help you deal with all of those changes. Right, right. Spot on. You, do, you must have taken my class, Deb. <laughs> I wish, I wish, you know, and that's one of those sad things that I'm out here in, in Atlanta and you're in Colorado. But, um, you know, it, it, it does. It truly does fascinate me. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, talking about emotional fears. I think that'd be great to have you on again to be able to talk about that because that is, is a very important topic that I think we, you know, we don't want to talk about. But holy cow, do we need to. Oh, yes. Everybody has them. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to face them. It's yeah, it's not fun to talk about your fears. But once you learn it, and I when I first went through the program and I was getting certified, literally changed my life and how I how I dealt with things. Mm-hmm. So, right. Well, Jay, one last time, tell people how they find your information online and connect with you. Uh, my website is highaltitudeattitude.com. And they can email me at jwitmus, J-W-I-T-T-M-U-S, at highaltitudeattitude.com. And I just noticed your logo is your initial. I think that that's very cool. Whoever did your logo did fabulous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just love it when those, you know, I'm, yeah, clearly I'm, I'm like squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. That was intentional. <laughs> I know, you know, it, it took me a while though. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's, it, it really does just go to show that I get sidetracked pretty easily. <laughs> so, so I really have been having a great time talking with you, Jay, and, and I do truly hope to have you on again. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Deb. Perfect. Well, I am Deb Creer. As I've been saying, we've been talking with Jay Whitmus about um, her high altitude attitude. Um, So please go there, highaltitudeattitude.com. And until next time, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.